2: Welcome to All Music Movies, a part of the All Music Podcast series and a companion podcast to All Music Books Deep Dive. Here, we explore music films and documentaries rather than books, and there are so many great ones, old and new. In fact, these days, there seems to be a new music film or documentary every week, so we're very excited to explore this area. I'm your host, Steve Jay, so grab your popcorn, sit back and relax, enjoy the show. Let's talk music documentaries and films. Today's guest is J. Elvis Weinstein, the director of the hugely entertaining film Michael DeBar, Who Do You Want Me To Be? He's also a founding writer and performer on Mystery Science Theater 3000, as well as the writer for the British series The Young Person's Guide to Becoming a Rockstar. Welcome, Josh. Why, thank you. We also welcome Sonia, a friend and former coworker from Ricoh She's a huge music documentary fan and writes some bite-sized reviews on her social media accounts. We introduced her on our last episode, and she'll be joining us from time to time to talk rock docs. Welcome, Sonia. Hi. So, Josh, we mentioned how hugely entertaining your film is, and it's right from the get-go. And one of the first questions I had is, can you tell us about that insane cast of famous folks that opened the movie?
0: Uh, well, first of all, thank you. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it was, uh, we have, we've got just shooting off the top of my head. It's Gabriel Burns, Steve Jones from the Sex Pistols, uh, John Taylor from Duran Duran, Ed Bagley Jr., Don Johnson, Pamela Debar, and more. <laughs> but, you know, honestly, most of those gets were, Hey, Michael, could you call this person and ask if they'll do an interview with me? And the answer was almost always yes.
3: That's amazing. Was there anybody that you wanted to interview but were unavailable for whatever reason?
0: There was a couple people, but there was no hard nose as far as I recall. There was more, I can't do it now. Holly Knight was someone who he wrote the song Obsession with that just couldn't schedule it.
3: How does he even know Gabriel Byrne?
0: They did a movie together. I think oh, it was okay. a simple twist of fate. Oh,
3: fantastic. Yeah, I loved what he had to say.
0: And he loves Michael. He really does.
3: Yeah, and Don Johnson. I mean, it was amazing to see that they were such tight friends.
0: Yeah, they were all really generous. I'm very grateful they all gave me the time.
3: So how did you first come across Michael and his music and why did you decide to make a documentary about him?
0: Well, there's, there's sort of two tracks. There's how did I come across him as a consumer? It was first on WKRP in Cincinnati as a kid. But then when he became the lead singer of the Power Station, I was a teenager at the time, and so I cared about such things. And so I could tell that like the MTV VJs like, kind of knew who he was, and so I was like intrigued. And then I, you know, they would talk about Detective, and then they showed a clip of the WKRP thing. Oh, that guy. I was sort of always slightly intrigued by him. And then he and I worked together on a show, a show you mentioned, My Guide to Becoming a Rockstar, which was an adaptation. We did an American version of the British series, and Michael played the main character's father. Johnny Rotten played the father in the pilot. Johnny Rotten turned out to be difficult, unsurprisingly. And uh, so Michael came in and filled the role. That's where we really became friends was on that set. We were shooting in Vancouver.
3: How did it turn from that to Let's Make a Documentary?
0: I just sort of became fascinated with him hanging out because I would watch him talk to the young actors and he'd tell them Sidney Poitier stories. And then I'd watch him hang out with the crew members and he'd tell them Led Zeppelin stories, you know, and he was just like holding court, but in such a generous way to everybody. And then he would then turn the tables and go, well, what about you? And he would listen to the person. As a stand of a comedian, I'm sort of an observer by nature, but I loved his particular brand of uh, what I came to call uh, benevolent narcissism.
2: Well, it's funny because my mom was a huge Sidney Poitier fan And I came across him in that movie But didn't know who he was And then years later, I actually saw a detective Open for Kiss, I believe And oh, yeah. I didn't know who he was Didn't relate the two, you know You know, one of the things I loved Was the title of this film And even more so after seeing it Because he's all of what you just said But at the beginning, I didn't recognize That it was taken from his biggest hit Whose decision was that title?
0: That was mine my... Very good My working title initially was Michael DeBar, You Should Make a Movie About Me. And then this one, this one, you know, just came to me and was so thematically nail on the head that I couldn't walk away from it.
3: It's funny. I think maybe you and I are similar in age because you mentioned the Power Station. And I was a Power Station fan, but I think maybe he did such a good job, (laughs) you know, replacing Robert Palmer on tour that I didn't even realize that it was him that was a pleasant surprise for me to learn about him and he just has so many lives i mean how many record deals did he have five six
0: you know i basically think of it he's basically had at least a record deal in every decade since the 70s you know
3: it's amazing i love that he wrote animotion and i love that he said that you know it's it's one of the many many things that helps him pay the bills and how did he refer to it as not quite
0: Elton, but <laughs> doing the yeah, trick. Yeah. Do I ski in Stadt? No. <laughs> Is it sting money? No. Mm-hmm.
2: So I worked a bit with you and Michael DeBar on the poster for this film. And just from that little bit of interaction, and with me and him, it was mostly via email. I'm going to guess he was totally open to having a documentary about himself.
0: He was totally open. And, I, and when I say totally open, he was completely hands-off in terms of the content. Of it. He did not see it until there was virtually complete cut
3: did he express any hesitation or anything i mean he seems like as you said make a movie about me i envision him saying it's about damn time
0: (laughs) he might have thought that but he was ultimately pretty humble about i think seeing it presented and he's someone who's lived a very fragmented life and some of this information like i don't think he's ever thought of sequentially like this you know what I mean? So I think there was lots of revelations for him along the way. You know, as I was saying, it's like he plays to his audience. Who's ever in front of his face, he's seducing. He learned very early on in our process that the way to seduce me was to be, like, surprisingly honest <laughs> and <laughs> self-aware. Like, those are the things that turned me on as an audience. And yeah, he so he doesn't I,
3: seem like anybody that would hold anything back,
0: really. No, but, but the thing I had to unravel with him was... 40 years of magazine interview because he kind of already had an answer ready to go for a lot of things. So I had to blow all those out and then sort of re-ask the questions that I wanted more uh, considered answers to. And he was more than game to do that. And he's such a smart guy, it's not like I was fooling him, you know? He understood what I was going for, and I was going for the story of a man rather than the story of a career, really. Yeah,
3: I mean, you can tell he sort of softens His long sobriety and he softens up a bit, I think, when he starts to talk about his son, which is really sweet to see.
0: The most surprising outcome of this story is that he did grow up through all of this. He got better and and learned from these things and is a more fully formed and beautiful person at this age than he probably was at any point along the line.
2: You mentioned that there are very few conditions or boundaries, and, because at one point he calls his role on as Murdoch on MacGyver a chameleon and a master of disguise, and I'm not sure that's not about himself.
0: Well, I think it's certainly a uh, part of the reason he was so effective as Murdoch, mm-hmm. <laughs> for sure. You know, but yeah, no, I mean, I think it's all about reinvention for Michael, and like I said, because he's so smart. He can see the whole field in a lot of ways in terms of what he has to be to be right for the part, literally or figuratively.
2: And he's been a lot of things, that's for sure.
0: Yeah.
3: It looks so good, by the way. Like, All the interviews are so high quality and it's really impressive looking and filmed clearly consistently. So, yeah, I'm curious to know how you funded it and how you put together such an amazing team.
0: Well, unfortunately, I funded it 90 plus percent from my own pocket. It was my first film. I didn't really want to do a Kickstarter. I knew that I would drop the ball on the back end of the Kickstarter, just knowing myself. You know, I learned a lot from the journey. It was sort of my film school. I've done a subsequent doc. You know, and the way it looks is just because I picked really good people. Jason Wairo is the cinematographer, and so all the interviews were either shot by him, and if not, we used the look we were going for with a different camera guy. You know, we just clicked really fast on what it should look like, you know, and because I was dealing with all these celebrities, I knew I would get a much more comfortable celebrity if they knew they were being well-lit and look good. I know that sort of seems shallow, but you know, people come in with skepticism and and if you're a celebrity, one of the things you're skeptical about is, is this person going to light me and make me look okay?
3: Yeah, I think you did a really great job and it's so consistent and that's a beef of mine when I'm watching documentaries and there's just such a difference in, you know, somebody's doing an interview on their phone, but somebody else is well lit. So I really appreciate the consistency you have in those interviews. I think it's really, well, thank really you. fantastic. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah. It's,
0: you. know, it's, I'm surprised by how many people have responded to that, but I think seeing so many docs myself, I kind of get it because there isn't a consistency and there's, there's such a wide range of quality and from camcorder to phone to 4k.
3: Your background, you know, in like doing what you do, you're not a rookie.
0: No, I (laughs) I wasn't a rookie. I was, you know, and I didn't feel like a rookie because I was suddenly the director because I've made so much stuff over the years, for sure. Anytime you're making anything like this, especially when it's like a personal project, all you can count on is your taste to guide you.
2: Was he as at ease in those interviews as he appears on camera? Because certainly that's part of the charm too, is that he's a strong personality, but he just rolls.
0: He just rolls, and there's nowhere he's more comfortable than in a nice-looking camera shot. <laughs> he will tell you that himself. So, so yeah, no, there was no dis-ease. You know? Once once he saw that the shot looked good, and, and I was asking questions that weren't... yeah, I was certainly a friendly interviewer. I wasn't looking to bust his chops about anything, but I was very willing to dig deeper. Like most people, probably, he hadn't had these kind of conversations about his life before, so I think he was into it.
3: He's such a well-deserving subject. So many people just have documentaries made about them, and they have one career. I appreciated learning so much about him. I hope that it introduced more people to his story because it's an amazing story. I backed it up a few times, but he said he was a gigolo for a bit, right?
0: Yeah, that's pretty much uh, the the upshot. Yeah,
3: <laughs> I love that. Like, I I want an entire movie about that. That yeah, is crazy.
1: Yeah, I, I
0: kind of did, too, at the time. And I was slow on the uptake during that interview going, wait a second. <laughs> wait, that is, okay, all right. You're not dumb. That's what he's saying.
2: Yes. To both of those points, you mentioned deep, but it's wide, too. You know, he's got such an odd career in, in a way. Yeah. You know, you pull kind of everything out and but it's not linear in any fashion and
0: well it is kinda the thing is is that it's very linear the way I tell it. It's just he's not linear.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Fair enough. Fair enough. You're listening to All Music Books Deep Dive, part of All Music Podcasts and Pantheon Media. We're speaking with Josh Weinstein, who's the director of Michael Debar. Who do you want me to be? One of the moments that I, I think I laugh the hardest, and there's a lot of them. Sonia alluded to when he was talking about, you know, getting clean. And he said it was vanity. And I think what he said was the moment he d- knew he needed to get clean was when he looked in the mirror. And he says, quote, I saw Iggy Pop's mom looking back at me. <laughs> that's quite the, That's quite the quote.
0: And I have to say that you know, I mentioned the lines that he's had for a long time that I tried not to use, but he's had that line for a while. But I had to use it yeah. anyway. So.
2: Yeah. Well, it's a visual that you just can't put out of your mind.
0: Yeah. So no, and I think that was, you know, I think that was a revelation to Pamela that he had said that the reason I got sober was vanity. <laughs> you know.
2: Well, since you brought up Pamela, and you know, she still carries his name, and she is a legend in her own right. And she's in the film, and she's great in the film. What, what was that like? I mean, I know that they're still good friends.
0: Um, that, was, uh, that was an interesting sort of day, because she was probably the most wary of the process, and I understand why. <laughs> you know? She was doubly wary at first because she really wanted... She was worried about Michael getting angry at her, because apparently it had happened in an E! documentary about them at some point. The first stage was I think she ended up liking me as a person. And the second stage was, I, I, you know, I said, call Michael and get his permission because he knows what I'm asking. He knows that I'm asking real, real questions about your life. And I'd like it if you had his clearance to do it so that you won't feel constrained. And so Michael called and said, yeah, please tell Josh anything you want to say. And then we had a really fun three hour talk. She's very funny and very smart and, you know, has a sense of perspective about life that uh, I love you know sense of perspective is kind of what this movie is about she's told me numerous times how much she likes the movie so that was so important to me you know because you're taking someone's life and saying this is what their life is you know and if they don't think it rings true then you've failed miserably
3: was there anything that you learned about his story that surprised you uh
0: well the gigolo thing was certainly one (laughs) of them no, you know, I was telling the story earlier about how we met on this show. And at the time, we had discussed writing a book together. That would have been essentially this same story. And so I got a chance to like get together with him with a tape recorder and ask questions. At a certain point, we both kind of realized we don't want to write a book. And we both got busy and we kind of drifted apart. And then probably 10 years later, we, we met on a uh, radio show we were both guests on. And Michael and I were talking afterwards and I was like, I don't know why I was thinking we should write a book. What we should have done was a doc. In fact, we should still do a doc. And he's, of course, his answer was yes. <laughs> and literally within about three weeks we were shooting our first interview. He went to Japan and reunited with Silverhead, which didn't end up in the movie because it just would have thrown way too much heat on one weekend of in a 70 year story. But it was where I interviewed all the members of Silverhead and got all those interviews. But once I realized that trip was happening, I sort of dove in whole hog, you know, because it was like, if I'm going to do this movie, I have to go to Japan and shoot this, whatever it is. And once I've made that commitment, now I'm really in and I'm going to make the movie. So it kind of snowballed in that way.
2: It's interesting because you did mention getting the story right, being honest and all that. And, you know, Pamela's book is just probably the first of its kind. And I remember that might have been one of the first rock books I read, you know, probably college age, maybe. Right. I'm not surprised that she would want to keep the story straight and with Michael and all of that, because that's a very honest book as
0: well. Yeah, it is. At first, I was sort of taken aback that she wasn't in the mood to be candid. Uh, (laughs) So it's also like, who's this guy coming into my house asking me incredibly intimate questions about the most tumultuous points of my life. There's nothing wrong with me having to earn her trust in the course of this conversation. And it made me feel good that I feel like I did. And that she, you know, as you saw in the film, she brought a ton of honesty to the table and a ton of good humor and a ton of sensitivity. And I mean, she was crucial to the movie. Yeah.
3: It's partially her story too.
0: Absolutely.
2: So I can
3: get it. Yeah.
2: I mean, it's such an interesting movie on so many levels, and you can tell both Sonia and I really enjoyed it, and I know the reaction's been very, very good. And Michael's got such a huge presence on social media. They love him. Yeah. What would you like the audience to walk away with after watching your film?
0: Uh, well, I'd like them to walk away, A, having just been entertained by a pretty cool story. But, you know, I think what I learned about, I mean, Michael's life, even though I don't have a glamorous bone in my body, You know, I have been in show business in some form since I was 15 years old and I'm 50 now. So his story had some relevance to my own. I've been a writer, a comic, an actor, a composer, an editor now, you know. It was a story that, had, like I said, it had some relevance to me. And I learned a lot about just sort of the art of moving forward, the art of keeping going and not getting bogged down in what's not happening and just being ready for the next thing that happens. That's what he's such a master of, is just the ability to just commit to the new thing fully.
2: And doing that in a positive light.
0: Absolutely. And I haven't mastered the positivity part. In my actions, I have. In my disposition, I haven't.
3: I mean, I love the way that you told the story chronologically. I appreciate that because his story is so multi-layered, and to hear it in the right order is great. I'm wondering, do you guys still talk?
0: yeah i'm gonna i just i just i'm going to have coffee with him on tuesday Um, fantastic yeah no we became very close through all this because you know there this process took me a really long time the music rights themselves like took ended up taking literally years to get through and clear and get answers back and so there was a lot of communication along the way and a lot of it of the nature of so what's happening josh Uh, (laughs) but he's been incredibly grateful to me for making the movie
3: to have that yeah, document and, exist is amazing.
0: Yeah. And I'm, so, you know, it makes me, it warms my heart completely that he feels that way about it. It would have been a complete disaster for me if he ended up angry about it, you know, because I don't, I don't feel like I did anything to patronize him in any way. I feel like I told the truth I wanted to without worrying about how he'd feel. But I also had the respect for him to believe that if I presented it fairly, through all that we developed quite a relationship and obviously I know a lot about him, you know, in some ways I know more about it than him just because I know the dates correctly, <laughs> You know, but but yeah, no, it was, it was a great journey and he was a great guy to go on the journey with. Does he
3: still have the trivial
2: pursuit nights?
0: Uh, he does not No,
2: That was an amazing story. That was an amazing story. And you know, it's interesting because Michael does have an ego and it, it might appear, but like when he, talks about all these famous people playing in this room together it's just it's just so interesting i mean and the way he told that there i think pamela told that story
0: the thing he has the ability he has is that he is his enthusiasm for it all and because as he describes in the movie he always sort of sees himself on camera on in frame i think to see himself in that room with all those people he was both excited and a fan and i think he felt like yeah this is just about right
2: So let me ask you, I I know it's gotten a great reception out there, but for our listeners, where can people currently watch this film? Where is it streaming?
0: Uh, It is streaming for rent and purchase, uh, and on DVD you you can get it at all the standard where you go to buy a movie, Amazon Prime and... Blockbuster. iTunes, and um, I hope Blockbuster. (laughs) Um, if If there's still a web presence, I hope there's something to click there. Yeah, it's not it's not streaming on any of the streamers, but it is widely available.
3: And you mentioned that this this was your first documentary and that you've since made another one. I would love to hear about that one and to also talk about what is next for you.
0: Well, yeah, the, the other one is called I Need You to Kill. And it's about the sort of emerging stand-up comedy scene in Asia told through the eyes of three American comics who go over there to do shows and these various scenes including Tom Segura and Chad Daniels and Pete Lee. It actually came out before Michael Debar, but I made it after I had wrapped Michael Debar and was waiting for music rights to come through.
2: Music rights. (laughs) We've been speaking with Josh Weinstein, who's the director of Michael Debar, Who Do You Want Me To Be? It's a fabulous movie, and you should definitely check it out.
0: Thank you so much.
2: It's just so much fun to watch. And I think everyone here certainly agrees. If you have anything else music related, come up, please get in touch with us. We'd love to have you back You're Great to talk to. Thanks a lot. All Music Movies is part of the All Music Podcast Series and a proud member of the Pantheon Podcast Network.